Good day, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm Ernest Warner, and of course, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Premier League back in full swing. You know, Arsenal versus Brentford, the first game we like to discuss. You know, I think a lot of excitement for some going into the first game of the season, but I'm not sure if you listened to Ian right before the game, you know, uh, with the, the early injuries of, or the sickness of Lacazette and Aubameyang, you know, you kind of said he was hoping for a draw. And me, I think I was obviously excited to get the Premier League back, but I think with the business done in the, in the, in the transfer window up until the Premier League started, you know, I was, I was a bit skeptical about how I to feel about the first game of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, Remember we were doing the podcast like the like last week Friday, yeah. Said yeah, no, last week Friday. Um, when you, you were the, or asking me about like you know going to the game and I was telling you yeah yeah I felt positive with it, but you know I went like from one hundred to zero the minute that news broke when they said uh, Arsenal will be playing Brentford without their two frontline strikers, and Balogun is going to make his debut. And look, don't get me wrong, I wanted I always wanted Balogun to be part of the. The first team set up in that. But for me, it, it came also way too sudden because look, you're already thinking you've got the Brentford uh, team that's playing in the, the new ground, like now being in the Premier League. And then, of course, playing with almost like a closer capacity crowd because, I mean, the, the stadium is not the biggest, so you can actually get a good amount of people in there. So, I mean, I went from, like, you know, being confident to something like where you say now, where you think, uh, you know, possibly... Is it better just to get away from here with a draw? Like, you know, kind of the tail between your legs. And I mean, with the opening game of the season, like the, the, the immediate uh, drama with this whole thing with Obama, because look, and, and, and luck is it, because there was already that point with them both taking ill, and then it was, I think, Runison as well. And then afterwards, I don't know if it was now a whole fan collective thing or whatever, but then. Since Arteta wasn't giving like a straight answer when they were now asking the question in the beginning, everybody's heads now started now, you know, going to that, that conspiracy theory. We don't know if it is something health related or is it something that, you know, it was like a train, training ground, a tiff like between players and coach. And, you know, the same way with Gwendozi, where that was also kept very much in the dark until, you know, things did now come to light, and then we now heard like more and more of the story, which was now you know way more to it. So, I think Arsenal went on that. So Arsenal fans went on that sort of tangent. Uh, you know, as we went in, into the match, the squad going into the match um, was like Leno, Chambers, White, Marie, Tierney, Lokanga, and Jaka in the middle. Pepe, Smith Rowe, and Martinelli leading almost like the attacking or the wing play, and Balogun spearing the attack. What was your thoughts on the? 11 put out. Look, I think at that point, you know, I don't think we could have done much better than that. I think I actually gave you the, <clears throat> when I gave you the lineup, um, I predicted lineup before the ill, before players took ill. Yeah. Um, I kind of had Chambers at, at right back to go in. So, you know, I had no complaints. I was excited about, about Balogun coming in. I thought that, you know, maybe there will be less pressure on the youngsters and they would go in there, you know, with, with, Quite fearless, like you see a lot of times in the when you when when Arsenal team, Carabao Cup teams <clears throat> used to go in um, away from home, they used to be very yeah. fearless and 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 take little more risks and stuff like that. So I thought <clears throat> Arsenal would end up going that route, but it just felt that you know the game started and and, and I really started getting a bit nervous. Yeah, because I mean, look, it's now also if you think of of 
not only that, you also had this little, you know, side stories going into the game with, look, we were linked before the season ended to David Raya. So it was like you had also Arsenal fans, you know, keeping an eye on, on how he was now going to fit in that game. Because, look, I remember I told you I wasn't like, you know, that uh, won over by like what I've seen of him. Because, I mean, he was part of that promotion team, but I mean, he does have a gaff in him as well. So, I mean, the game kicks off. And I think, like, you know, both sides like feed each other out in the first 10 minutes. But, I mean, then you start seeing Brentford now. Look, the crowd is already rocking. Yeah. I mean, uh, already singing the Hey Jude before the game. And, I mean, with 12 minutes, they end up beating the post. And, I mean, I'm like, you know, all, all of a sudden, there's war, like warning uh, bells for Arsenal. Yeah, I think Arsenal, you know, just didn't get a foothold in the game. I think um, we were all um, hoping to see Shaka, you know, maybe take a foothold in the game. And, and Arsenal started dictating the play. But it just seemed like the crowd was just rocking us. And like you said, that shot that he gave off the post was, you know, warning signs that Brentford is not yet to play. And this is not going to be a walk in the park. And I think players, certain players probably had a bit of an ego going into the game as well, thinking, you know, this is Brentford, we Arsenal. Yeah. And I mean, I think what also sort of frustrated me, like, down to the coaching level was seeing how Arteta wasn't, like, urging them to actually no. you know, move forward because everything was, like, slow pace. It's allowing uh, Brentford, you know, to, you know, really do the high press on us. And, I mean, look, we spoke about the Friday, like, last week already in the podcast about these strengths where they all press and press and just, like, keep you in your half or in, around your box. Yeah. And also not doing anything. And this is not after the fact, but uh, there were some pundits that were saying, like, after the game now, why didn't Arsenal uh, resort to the route one? Because now every time you're allowing uh, Brentford to push up as a unit and you're still trying to pass through this, it was like a cluster field of Brentford players. So they just play a, uh, like a ball to, to kind of release the pressure from your, your team as a whole and let them, like, you know, run to the back and start their move again. And I thought, I mean, it's so obvious to see why didn't he, he go according to that? Because... I mean, you could see the minute we were, you know, dallying on the ball because, look, Xhaka was not getting the ball quicker out from his feet. Smith Rowe was every time looking for the option that nobody was doing that sort of darting around for. So he was like hanging onto the ball to take two to three extra touches. And in that time, every time he's doing this uh, sort of uh, play, Brentford are just getting like two to three men around the, the one Arsenal play and isolating him from the rest of the pack. And that was so like, frustrating to watch. I think the the problem is Arteta. I don't know if it's his fault, but they he, like he doesn't believe in root one football. I mean, he, yeah. he he doesn't cater the team for it at all. We don't have a, a a proper number nine striker, and we saw once again Leno playing suicidal passes to to our defenders. It's like he just doesn't yeah. seem to be using his initiative. I mean, I understand it's part of the Arteta way of doing things, but. He keeps on giving these balls that his players get caught on the ball or, or he plays unnecessary under pressure. And like you said, you know, Arsenal was starting to put unnecessary pressure on themselves like we've seen now regularly under Arteta. And you could hear the crowd was getting on Arsenal's back. And I think Arteta hasn't managed much games, Arsenal matches, with a crowd, you know, paying for blood. Because I think a lot of times, you know, Arsenal were still under new Arteta, new era, new phase. But I think, you know, the, the, those fans were getting under Arsenal players' skin. And I don't know if Arteta was just standing there, he looked a bit bewildered because 
you know, there was nothing different we were trying to do to try to, to remedy the situation. And I mean, for me, I mean, I don't know how you see it or even the listeners, it's like, for me, at times, Arteta comes off like a, a Mourinho manager, where he's too scared to attack, but he also doesn't want to lose, so it's like, he's almost like in, in a, you know, conundrum where he's like thinking to himself, like, do we even venture to attack or do we just sit and wait for almost like things to almost like unfold for us to attack? And I mean, most of these teams are going to be already, you know, they, they quite coy to the old plan of, of, you know, what Arteta is trying. So they don't allow that sort of game to creep into their side. So we end up just hanging onto the ball and not knowing what to do with it. And I just think if he takes a bit more risk, and I think that's the thing he fears most. If he takes more risk, I think we can hurt teams. We can. But it's just, if, if you're not going to let players play to their full strength, like, I mean, like, if you let Smith Rowe do his thing, the way he was breaking the lines last season in that first game when he played against Chelsea, like, his first game, it was, like, a breath of fresh air because you could see that that team didn't know, like, Chelsea didn't know whether to come into him or the midfields to, to, to try to close him down. So every time he was running to that little pocket of space and then getting the ball out wide. So, I, I mean, uh, my point is just... Uh, I mean, it, it looked like a complete mess, like a tactical mess, because if you can't correct it when you're seeing you being almost like overrun already, then I mean, it, it really gets concerned. It's like, you know, we with the latter part of the 2019-2020 season, it was like, that, you know, that, 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 that quarter, like during the half where they had that water break and they had the chat, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that used to work in Arsenal's favour so much because, I mean, we used to always come back stronger after that tactical chat. But it's like, you know, Arteta gets it wrong before the game starts. You know, yeah. like every always used to correct it, you know, half-time again, he, he makes. But it's like Arteta just gets it wrong and, you know, there, there's, no, um, there's no way forward. It's like we're just stuck in stuck in a bad place and then you know we just can't correct it and you're just thinking to yourself you know and even me thinking at the looking at our team look yeah. and i'm thinking uh, uh, what would i do as a manager to make things right because it seemed like the players weren't buying into the the, yeah. the philosophy um i mean for me that lakonga was was i enjoyed the game he played he was one of my, my favorites from the night like i haven't seen him much in pre-season yeah. so we have actually gotten a proper look at him. It was quite good, but you know, Xhaka was also getting quite fast in the middle, and Ivan Tony was also um, causing a lot of problems aerially. You know, pulling pulling our defense. Yeah, excuse <coughs> me. In the 22nd minute, Arsenal failed to make a, a solid clearance out. The ball then breaks to Ka- uh, Sergio Carlos, and he manages to get into the box. Chambers then allows him to cut inside, and then I mean. It, almost like in a flash, by the time Carlos lets Rippo the shot, he beats Leonardo's near post, one or Brentford. And, and and what you and I spoke about, you know, what we spoke about, what we feared, we hoped that it wouldn't be a case of, you know, allowing Brentford to score. And then the crowd is obviously rocking their first yep. ever Premier League goal and all the odds stacked against Arsenal and... and that I know you saw on on your broadcaster that stats meter or something like that that shows you know the prediction of uh, Arsenal and I mean you know Arsenal's percentage dropped to like what 25 or 30 percent against Brentford and you watching this game and thinking to yourself first of all you know where's our goal coming from we don't look like we're going to score at all we're getting bullied for most part of the game and you're going one down to a side that's you know just gotten a 
since played um, first um, Premier League football since the 19, what, 1940s, 1950s. Yeah. So, I mean, that was Wynald down to um, Wynald down to Bradford and they just didn't seem like they were going to switch off anytime soon and Arsenal didn't seem like they were going to get the equaliser anytime soon. And I mean, the initiative minute, Buemo ends up, you know, getting close again with a shot that just goes past the goal. But I mean, Arsenal still seeming fast asleep. And I mean, with, with the bees closing down fast, Arsenal almost like seemingly had no ideas. They didn't know how to get themselves out of not only their own half, but I mean, when we were getting up to the half in the re-occasions, we also didn't know what to do because then every, the, the ball was going like from Tierney. Then it would go around almost like a, like a horseshoe. And then, you know, yeah. back to the other side, there's no opening coming. And then there's again back. So, I mean, I don't know what sort of football this is because... As I say, I mean, a lot of people, even Arsenal, ex-Arsenal players also say they don't, like, they watch the game. Some are, like, like some are even in the ground, and they're still not sure what they are watching, because <laughs> like, there's no sort of balance to the squad, like, not only with manpower, but with what you actually mentally have to take onto the pitch. Like, you know, this is our tactic, this is how we're going to play, this is how we're going to sort of, you know, get through and get under our opponent's skin as well. There's nothing of that, no fight in it. Then 37th minute, Leno then gives Xhaka a back pass again. Xhaka huh. wasn't really prepared for it. But I mean, the, he did that also earlier where him and Marie had a few words with each other. Yeah. He just randomly, I mean, I don't know what this what I'm <laughs> If the guy is like, whether he's back to you, then you give him a shout and say, okay, here's the ball. He just plays the ball almost like you instinctively have to now, you know, be alert to, to just now watch what's going on. So, I mean, again, he gets Xhaka in this time in trouble. Xhaka, of course, thinks, okay, he's got time in his hands. But, I mean, it wasn't like watch, watching uh, bait thrown in, in the ocean. And you just see the sharks coming mm-hmm. for him. And, I mean, he's coming, like, I think, with two or three different sides. They're coming to close him down. And he just randomly just kicks the ball out into touch. Just like, you know, a safety measure. But, you know, over and over, warning signs that Arsenal were not eating anything. No, no, no I think going into the half, one nil down, I think... The commentator, uh, before the, kick off, the second half kicked off, or just probably when the second half kicked off, he made a stat which was quite alarming, is that Arsenal, when they went, since Arteta's come to the club, every time we've been 1-0 down at half-time, we yeah. haven't won the game. We either drew or we lost. We, we lost 12 of them, of the 16 games, and won four of the, I mean, through four of the 16 games, we went 1-0 down. Now, isn't that a shocking statistic? Yeah. That every time you go one down, you, you you lose or you draw. I mean, it's just there's no fight back from the team, and you know that didn't paint any anyone or paint my confidence or boost my confidence at yeah. all. I mean, I uh, started thinking, oh no, are we gonna be in baddest first game of the season? Yeah, I mean, I felt the same way, and I mean, I really thought coming out second half, um, there was gonna be some sort of fire in their belly. I thought there was gonna be um, I mean, look, I'm not saying that drastic changes like Mourinho would do. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was going to be something to, you know, inject some creativity because that's where we were lacking. And also, I mean, telling the forward to actually be in and around the box because I first thought it's almost like just a Lacazette thing where when he's playing up front, he's always in in the midfield or centre mid position. Same with with Aubameyang. Sometimes you're looking for him forward, then he's playing almost like in the left back role. And I think that could be also with us all. You know, undercurrent is going uh, this, uh, between uh, the two strikers, the main strikers and Arteta. Because I think they, instead of them being in the final third, they almost like, you know, having to play an hour off 
and quite deep as well. So they that attacking threat has already been nullified. So I mean, Arsenal, of course, dominating position, but not you know really doing anything with it. And it's I mean, like I mean, it's frustrating to watch. It's actually it gets infuriating because you know I'm watching the game on the telly and I'm thinking to myself, you know, up the tempo, just get. Yeah. You could see the more that the the half was winning on. I mean. Yes, Brentford dug in deep, and I mean, they did roll out in streets for a fight. They knew what was going to come in the second half. But I mean, even when you see your... Uh, look, he was one guy, I think, um, his name was Sorensen or something, I believe. He's one of the defenders. Every time there was a break, he was, um, you know, putting his hands on his hips. And I mean, look, you've played football as well. You've seen when your opponent is that tired, you keep a pressure on him. And every time, you know, the ball would be... I think that he would like make as if he's tying his laces or pulling shit yeah. And I could see this guy is done. He's roasted. He needs to be now be, you know, you put your most creative player on him and you, you know, really overwork him. Because you don't give him that, that sort of guess. And I'm uh, that chance to, to uh, reload on his guess. But every time we play the slow, slow football and it's, it's infuriating because I mean, I really want that fast tempo. I'm not saying like, yeah, go to the boss or tick a tuck away, but I just play that. that you know, one touch quick or two touch football, but every time you see, like, and it's not, it goes through the whole team. Our players do, like, you know, when they should do two touches, they take three. When they should take yeah. three touches, they take four or five. That needs to be, honestly, it should be ironed out of this team. Because, I mean, you see all this little nonsense stuff in the, the training videos, and you think, now, why aren't you picking the ball around <laughs> like that that you're doing in training? Do it here on the field. But no, it's like, Running almost like into the opponents of stopping. There's no option. Stopping, going around, going to the back again. We're never going to get forward as a team if we're going to play this sort of football every time. Yeah, <clears throat> it kind of became it became a, a a same old, same old because I mean we just weren't showing any um any desire. And you know, yeah, you know, when the 60th minute came and we brought on of ninth minute string of Pelican, you know, like you mentioned, didn't. He had that one moment when he kind of took the de- kind of turned the defender in the first half, and then but again, you know, that's just that shot before he left. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just taken. Yes, and, and then so he came off for, for Saka, and I thought, you know, Saka coming on, this is where you know something could happen. But again, my biggest my biggest fear and problem is it's becoming so repetitive now that we we're looking at this youngster to to to, to pull us out of a situation every time. But I mean, doesn't it remind you even also of of um, <clears throat> the little jokes or the memes that they have of like this big or oh, tall guy that's holding somebody by the head and the shorter guy is just taking swings and not touching the tall guy at all? Yeah, and it reminds me yeah. of Brentford was just holding us at bay and thinking, okay, you can swing till you huff and puff and you're gonna be you know totally naked because I mean, they were they really organized and 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 dictated that game well. I mean, the way they controlled it because. For me, we had no idea. Everybody was at times doing their own thing or not knowing what to do. Uh, Arteta was just standing here with his hands in his pockets and then, you know, looking. The more, like, you know, as I said, the clock, I mean, I, I dreaded to even look at that clock, but every time you see the clock and you would see him, you could see he's not like, he's just getting like less and less animated. And I think they close, as we're now winding this game down to the, like, leading up to the second goal. He was almost like offsetting at times also already because I mean it's like he had also no idea what to do anymore. And then uh, uh Sorensen ends up with a doing a one of the Rory the lap style long throw into the 73rd minute. 
Arsenal, of course, don't do anything really to clear the ball. Leno seems to scare to even come out, even though, look, he was held somewhat by the that guy on the goal line. And I'm not sure if it was Tony or somebody, but they, they end up just holding him back. And I just thought to myself, look, you're a professional goalkeeper. And I mean, t- uh, teams, especially in the Premier League, if you just shout and you, you know, drop to the ground, like after a tug, yeah. like, you're going to get something because goalkeepers are protective. Yeah. Protected. And he ends up just trying to fight it out. And of course, of course that guy just outmuscles yeah. him completely. He misses or flails at the ball. And I mean, the ball just comes to no guard. And I mean, he nods in with an easy header to no Brentford. Uh, I think the stadium was rocking at that point. You could always see the camera shaking and like we predicted. I think we we basically spoke, you know, what was going to probably happen in this game if we let Brentford get the upper hand. 2-0 down and, you know, you, you I think the all, all hope just went through me and and to an extent I, I felt, you know, as uh, I have to say that like, yeah, if you, I wanted actually Brentford maybe to add another just to, you know, impact. not that I want Arsenal to lose, but just to like let these guys have a wake-up call because <clears throat> bad management at the moment and, and the players also don't, didn't seem to have desire to... I mean, Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, he, big ups to him. He was trying still. I think Pepe was trying. Lukonga was trying. And then we brought on a, a left-back to play right-back. I mean, Tafaris, they brought him on to play right-back. I mean, we had right-backs on the on the bench. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, for me, another person that really disappointed me and I expected really way more was also Martinelli. Because, I mean, he's always, yeah. like, you know, he, sometimes he... Let's slip in the present. Yeah, you know, he wants to play more. And then, yeah, he gets another chance to now, you know, set a marker for, you know, where the coach has to think, okay, it's going to be tough for me to replace him, say, for the next game. Or yeah. He did nothing really to win anybody over, even the fans, because all he did was run. He wasn't really doing a good job at the high press either. But, I mean, when he did get the ball, he, he would almost like run and run and run, <laughs> but also not knowing. It was like Theo Walcott used to do. <laughs> he, he just doesn't know what to do when he gets into the final third. That's so why I say... I don't know what they're doing in training or constantly. If it's just this free shooting and, and <laughs> rondos and, and stuff like that, that's not going to get you three points. I mean, this, this, this Arsenal side doesn't look like a team that, I mean, if you watch, I don't know if you watch the other Premier League teams games that, that played, but I mean, you know, a team that maybe were a bit rusty last season came back really strong. I mean, Liverpool, United looked really good. And they oddly made, like, you know, they, they literally was at a similar squad to what they would have put out last season. It just shows that <clears throat> what did Arsenal do in the preseason that they mm. ca- or in the off-season that they came into the new season looking like the same team that's played for the back end of last season? And I mean, I watched, like, the Newcastle-West Ham game and I was just thinking to myself, um, you know, watching as a neutral, now, this is how I want my team to be playing. Like, I mean, Newcastle were playing... Fast, you know, that, that real ping-pong football that yeah. also zipping across the pitch. West Ham were, you know, being also, uh, you know, up there for the scrap. And I mean, it was a really entertaining end-to-end match. And I'm thinking to myself, to the, compared to the day, like in the day before with the Brentford-Arsenal game, where you're watching uh, one-way traffic and the, a team, uh, like in Arsenal, that they have, like, no confidence and, like, no idea what they must do with the ball. Because yeah. I think to myself, I mean, you, these are, like, high, like, it's a high in, uh, like, a club with, with players on, on, you know, nice fat pay packets. And they're being, you know, outdone and outshone by a team that just got promoted. And, I mean, that, that plays on a way, way smaller budget. 
Ja, en en ook het Tottenham even. Hy toe kan een man sit hier side en I don't think a lot of people gave Tottenham a chance there. Harry Kane's gone, you know, their new coach and everything, but they they played to their strengths. They 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 delivered a result and you know, Arsenal out of all what happened this weekend, I think, you know, Man City and Arsenal probably had eggs on their face egg on their faces and now we take on a uh, a Chelsea side, which will be interesting to see since we've got the better of them under Tuchel. But I think, and 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 I could be wrong, you know. I think Thomas Tuchel will, will probably actually have outthought Arteta and come prepared for him. So and they will 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 probably have answers to Arteta's questions now. I mean, my you know my personal take is um you you know, like look it's like Chelsea and Man City next. Um, you know, of the two, um, like my, it's not my personal opinion. I still think that, you know, taking out Chelsea is a way easier thing than a wounded Man City team. So, I mean, I'm actually, in a way, going with a sort of mindset that, I mean, look, we also didn't give them, uh, you know, a chance last season at Sanford Bridge and yeah. we sneaked it in there. And then the game at the Emirates, uh, which we played like in January, they actually looked, they almost like played Chelsea off the park that day. So, I mean, like, it's going to be a home game. How can I going to be? So, I think this is also going to set the, the marker for Arteta as well. Because now, as you said now, with a, there's going to be more. You're going to hear the groans. You're going to hear the moans if things are not going to go, you know, our way. And, I mean, this is not just like a side note. But, I mean, I was watching the other, uh, Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, Mowell playing. Um, I can't remember if it was now. Uh, Fulham, I think, or something. I think. Uh, but, but, I mean, Mulroy, I mean, you know, they're like a rough and tumble team. Yeah. But you had to see the minute, like, they had, the, like, they had position, they were going into the Fulham's half. Then they, one of their players decides to stop on the halfway line and do one of those El Nini stuff where he, he should be just going forward and he stops and he plays a back pass. I tell you, that whole stadium stood up and, like, you know, effing and blinding. Like, <laughs> get the ball to the other side because we were already, like, two down and you, you're busy doing this type of stuff. And I think to myself, this is how it's going to probably play out on Sunday because now it's like the, if, I mean, if Arteta doesn't bring any sort of, uh, you know, positive injection to the side, I mean, it's going to be a, a shit show. Yeah, it'll be a very toxic environment. I think, look, um, Chelsea is on the high now. They are the winner, champions of Europe, Super Cup winners, um, you know, signing Lukaku as well. I know he's. <clears throat> you'll probably get a lot of, of, of support with these attacking guys running around him. So, you know, he could probably bully Arsenal's defense if we're not if, if he does end up starting or comes off the bench. But Chelsea's tails are up, and I uh, you know is Arsenal probably going to go with the same starting lineup again because I know, um, like I said, and Aubameyang's probably not going to be playing again in the game. So I mean, are they that sick that they can't even make the bench? Look, uh, that's why the thing is, like you know, Arteta shouldn't like make it clear before people's, uh, you know, heads start going and getting in themselves with assumptions. But I just think. Uh, like for a start, my personal take would be switch to a back three because that is how Ben White has played for Brighton and that and he plays actually at best in that position. Because I still think we can hurt Chelsea, but I mean, we need to play to almost like our strengths. That's uh, so why I don't know why, he, like Arteta now, altered his tactic after a while. Like, you know, that tactic of having three at the back ended up winning us the FA Cup. So why not stick to that? It's like he's tinkering, like now that he's think at once with the squad. It's not like he can't be content now with it. So he's going to try different combinations, but he just does not go back to the back three again. 
but, 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 but what's your thoughts? You know, do you think this Arsenal side has what it takes to come back to beat Chelsea, or <clears throat> or, or what's your thoughts if, if if Chelsea end up, you know, steamrolling us without us putting up a fight, you know, knocking us two three nil, <laughs> or do you do you think it's 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 time for a change, or do you think no, that I'm, like? A... No, I mean I like I, I mean I can tell you no straight. I mean for me on on Sunday, I could see us like uh, winning the game. Because it's, it's almost like that, when the chips are almost like down with this Arsenal team, and you think, you know, there's just no fighting, and then the media is already on the case, like the fans are also partially, you're going to see maybe a bit of extra fire in them. But I mean, you know, the flip side of it is also, again, if, I mean, I don't want to know the backlash, because I mean, if you still think we got City on the horizon, yeah. I still know what's going to happen if, if we, uh, you know, drop points at all. Because... I think now people want to see some sort of backlash now from the, the players, that, you know, to show that we weren't as bad. I mean, it was almost like uh, it could have what happened at, at Brentford could have happened to any team opening day of the season. So, I mean, for me, it's just, I just hope we sort of show some sort of character and almost like, you know, have a real game plan going to this game to outfox, uh, you know, just to make it chop and change. As you said now, Tuchel is somebody... He normally will probably think, okay, you guys beat us twice. Let me not come with a different sort of strategy to beat you. And this is all something we are to... I don't know if it's, if it's a Spanish thing, because um, Emery should do the same thing, where you can see the, the thing is right there in your face, and they will still stick to their, their guns and try, even like, try to force that sort of way into the team. Even though you, you think to yourself, just think of the tactic a bit, or the formation a bit, and then you see, it'll give your opponent even extra to think about. Yeah, I think they want to die on this sword, but yeah. you know, <clears throat> we we probably would have taken out of our first, you know, three games, three to four points would have been acceptable. So yeah. you know, we we let's 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 face it. I mean, we're not we're not we world beaters anymore at the moment. So we just need to accept that. So I guess Arsenal win against Chelsea, and you know, if they don't pick up all the points against Man City, you kind of look at it and say, okay, you know what? You know, Man City also lost their first game of the season, albeit to Spurs. You know, it, it also went wrong for Man City. And if you look at the money they spent on that squad, yeah. compared to our squad currently, it's it's not. Um... So let's 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 just kind of reset and let's kind of hope that our start of the season happens this Sunday. But like you said, you know, there will be people paying for blood if Arsenal pitch up there with you know no shots on target or two shots on target only and Chelsea overrun us and and take all three points. I mean if Arsenal maybe even pick up a draw you could say ah you know I'm happy with it. But if Arsenal get overrun and get hammered, you know, two no three one, whatever, I think there's gonna be that groans and moans and boos. And I think, you know, this is a big test for Arteta. The last time he played with fans at the Emirates Stadium, the crowd was all behind him. Now I think, you know, they're waiting for him to slip up so they can get him out. The crowd is not. Like, my take of this whole situation is, um, I think, look, Arsenal fans can be, like, we, we can be a, a tough breed to please. But I just think to myself, um, if we, like, you know, just say we drop the points against uh, uh, Chelsea. If we now lose without giving a, like, you know, giving some sort of fight, then I think that the fans are going to come down hard. But, I mean, if we give our all and try yeah. and still, you know, lose by the odd goal type of thing, then I think that fans would still, you know, be, you know, hurt, but still yes. understand the situation. But uh, if I think of 
a performance like Brentford being re- replayed and redone again on, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, then I think, oh, hell's going to break loose in the Emirates. No, I agree with that. Yeah, so now we move our attention to transfers and talking points. Um, as you guys all have heard, I'm sure Odegaard, that deal is now finally done and over the line. Um, that He was already at London Colney yesterday doing his medical. Everything is now done, uh, gone through. He was supposed to be in line for, uh, like, you know, to be part of the squad for Sunday, but there's some sort of problem with his visa. And and I think with the, also with the whole uh, vaccine slaughter. So there's now almost like a hold up there. So he should, he'll, he's already probably a registered Arsenal player. But I mean, that thing, that visa thing is the only thing that's, you know, holding him back. Then in other news, Aaron Ramsdale, that deal also looks just about done. His medical was too, early on today. And I mean, I think he already passed it and that. So everything is now, you know, kind of lining up in that sense. So Ramsdale joins that for 24 million plus, I think, 6 million add-ons. But I mean, they, they only get that 6 million if he becomes, uh, based on appearances, the number one. And then I think with Odegaard, it's like straight, I think, uh, what was it, 30-something million for him. So, I mean, of course, most of us would now kind of, you know, somewhat bicker about it because maybe that money could have been used elsewhere. But I just think... The biggest problem now for Arsenal is just getting rid of place because that is a tough thing right now. Because I think the money can still be raised enough to push for maybe uh, bringing a forward and maybe a right back as well. But I mean, it's not difficult to get uh, you know rid of Colasinac. Um, Ketia, look, I think he had like the whole ankle problem, so I think for now they're probably gonna you know let him hang around. But I mean, Lucas Torreira, there is no way he's gonna be part of this team. So you know, might as well cash in on him, and then of course. <coughs> Bellerin is also, there's drama there with that because he's also already pushed, he's even willing to take a pay cut to leave, you know, to, to join, you know, whichever club will now offer him a contract. And then, of course, we've got Smith, Thomas, Enzo Maitland-Niles and Reese Nelson. That's also not really in Arteta's plan. So, I mean, somehow we need to get moving because, look, transfer window closed 31st of August. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're just dawdling a bit too much. I mean, look at that Dumfries guy that, that left PSV. I mean, he had a seller, Euros. He's going to Inter Milan for what that's say, eight, more, 8 to 10 million euros. So there's some, some, <clears throat> some really low figure. But I mean, I mean, he's a top right back. I mean, Lamptey is also a good right back. But I mean, we, 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 we're dawdling on plays and we're we, we stuck with plays that we can't get out. And I mean, you know, is this the is this the Arsenal that that, that that you and I know that we can't even sign players that we need to sign? We can't get rid of players because they're just not good enough for players to play in the club. And then, you know, you 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 sent me a picture earlier on that Arsenal spent 129 million you know, pounds, and every time you know, I'm not I'm not saying I'm a Stan Kroenke in or a, a Josh Kroenke fanatic. You know, I still believe they have followers there, but I mean. It's not like they they not giving us the funds. I mean, you know, there was a picture that I I think I also sent you on Instagram, which was so true that you know who's to blame? Players, board, you know, owners or the coach? Because you know what's the, the I mean, Krunke is still giving us money to spend. I mean, you can yeah, see yeah. on that that image we've spent the most out of. All the clubs at the moment in the Premier League with the Odegaard deal and the Ramsdale deal should they go through. So it's not like it's just that the signings that we're doing is it's not of the quality and whose fault is that? I mean, isn't Edu supposed to be busy trying to 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 to, to sign up 
the best possible talent for us. But I mean, a guy like Dumfries went over our head and into Inter Milan. I mean, Edu and even Vinay, they will be judged really after the, the window, like not only the, the transfer window, but also are we free in the first like one or two months? Because now Arteta also has to embed the, the, these players and I mean, they, they you know, get everything gel and like you know, get the flow going again. But I think they, like doing, they are going to be judged based on what they were doing and how they were doing the business. Because at times I think to myself, the Kroonkies get so much flack. And I mean, like I'm not really a big like fan of them in general. But yeah. I mean, they got so much, they get so much flack. But I mean, they are making money available. It's just the way that, or the people that we having at the club are spending it in a way at times the wrong way. Because I'm sure if you did. Like you say, you give that just like, you know, hypothetically, you give that one twenty nine to somebody that's on the Bayern uh, that uh, you know recruitment board or the Man City or the Chelsea or whatever. I can guarantee you they are going to get the best of the best, and they're going to almost like you know wheel and deal their way to get that price for maybe as low as they can, or throw in some like either a player or something, or make it you know really sweeten up the deal with something. But it's like they don't. I'm not sure if it was you or one of my, my Arsenal friends on Facebook was telling me. It's almost like if Arsenal get told, okay, we want someone so much for this player, then instead of negotiating, we just already put the money on the table. Instead of, yeah. okay, we're holding the money under the table, we first, you know, talk and see, and then we'll see what we slip out. But it's like, no, it's like, you know, the minute the offer comes in, it's like, yeah, bang, yeah, the money's on the table. We don't have, and I think that is where, Edu was almost like really standing out that like you know being inexperienced in in the sort of negotiating with like for getting real top top talent because I just think if you think of the money that's spent over the say the last two three seasons we should have had like you know we should have had when you see the numbers also being bounced around for for talented players a real like a solid squad because it's like we just either we stalling in the weird direction or I mean I I, I have heard now Arsenal now. This is another weird thing where we first have a scouting system, then we go to data analytics, and now we've gone back because I think now we've got now like three top scouts that are not coming. One is, I think, X Man City, one is, uh, used to work with uh, Alex Ferguson and them, and I think, I don't know which other top club. Oh, yeah, he also brought Neymar and, and Coutinho to Barcelona. So, I mean, that is something that we need to also think about now. That you know, let them do the job. It's also like, someone like Edu must just say, okay, green light for that. Yeah, the money is there. Not where they are doing the judgment. And let, that, like, let the experts do the job. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Hopefully that can, uh, can, can put us in a better space because, you know, right now we're not, we're not where we're supposed to be. Yeah. So with that, we're in the podcast. We hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Let's keep our fingers crossed for Sunday. Come on, you gunners. Arsenal, let's hope we can pick up the three points.